Welcome to Wildlife Outdoors with your host, Russell and Jose. If you have a passion for conservation of the outdoors, or you're enjoying a calming hike in the mountains, an exhilarating kayak trip on the river, feeling a fish on the end of your line, cooking on an open flame in a primitive campsite, or stalking big game just waiting for the perfect shot, you're in the right place. So put on your boots and polarized sunglasses and come along for the ride. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Uh, my name is Jose, and we're joined also by Russell, of course, and avid outdoorsman, veteran, husband, and podcast friend, Victor Martinez, who will be here to just shoot the shit and uh, just hang out with us. So uh, thanks for coming, Vic. And uh, if you don't mind, just uh, introduce yourself to, uh, to everybody on. All right. So, um, like you said, my name is Victor Martinez. A uh, little bit about me. I grew up pretty much down the street from Jose. You know, we've been fishing outdoors. He used to go with us camping, fishing every time we'd go to the beach, summer trips, all that good stuff. Um, we have countless of stories I could you know, think about just us two getting into trouble in the outdoors or whatnot. Um, but anyways, a little bit more. Five years in the military. I was stationed in Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Best job I ever had. I was a paratrooper, man. They paid me to jump out of airplanes and lead soldiers. Um, my unit was deployed to Afghanistan in 2017 and again in Iraq in 2020, where unfortunately I got hurt. Um, and uh, yeah, I was medically retired. I tried to fight it. Eh, it didn't work out. But I'm home now. I get to be with my family every day. And now what I do is I work for Waterloo Rod Company, a more conventional side. I know y'all are fly fishing guys, but... Now I'm starting to pick it back up a little bit. So, I mean, that's, that's really it. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, we're, we're glad that you're on with us, man. I know, I know that I've known you for quite a few years. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't even remember how we met. Was it through football or? <laughs> I think so. I, I think, think so. I want to say it was through football. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we've always called him Vic, but in case there's any confusion, uh, on social media and stuff like that is Josh. He goes by his middle name, Josh. Um, so we'll call him Vic because that's what we've always yeah. called him. But he goes by Josh in his normal day to day life. So uh, just to avoid any confusion there. But yeah, so we've we've known both me and Jose have known him for years. Jose has known him longer than I have. Um, Jose told a brief story last podcast about how uh, we played football for his dad. Um, <laughs> pretty funny story on that. So, but uh, yeah, we're happy to have you, man. And uh, so you say you work for Waterloo Rod Company. Where's that based out of? Yeah, uh, Victoria, Texas. Yeah. Nice, nice. And you've been with them yes, for how sir. long? Uh, about a year now. So I enjoy it. You know, it's not the army, but you know, it's pretty close. Guys are in there, pretty fun. We always prank, play jokes on each other, you know. But we always get the job done. So that's good. It, that's it's good. Fun. Good, uh, good yeah. sense of camaraderie there. Yeah, for the most part, we're all big fish heads. You know, we love being in the water, love fishing. Our boss is really cool, Jimmy Burns. You know, he always, if we, I don't know, feel like we're getting burnt out. You know, because it's monotonous work doing the same thing every day. Yeah. He lets us take a day off to go fishing whenever. Just give him a heads up. You know, dude, so. that's awesome. That is pretty sick. Do you ever get to field test any of the rods there, like any of the new stuff or? Actually, we do. So um, it's actually pretty cool whenever we're trying out new blanks for a new line of rods. You know, we'll wrap them for us and um, get to go out and uh, test them out, you know. So I don't know. It's Dude, a lot of fun. Sick. I know that they do collaborations with uh, K Wigglers and stuff like that. Uh, we're one of their yeah. big sponsors for their guides and whatnot. And uh, they have a few episodes out on YouTube and stuff like that. But yeah, we give it to our guides that we sponsor and everything. That's pretty cool, you know. 
we get to do a lot of hands-on. Dude, that's awesome. I, when I uh, used to fish conventional a lot on the coast, I used to have a, uh, I think it was a, I can't remember how long it was, six, eight or seven foot medium fast action Waterloo rod. It was yeah. a, uh, it was a salinity. Salinity? salinity oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, dude, that thing was sick, man. I loved <laughs> it. I use it for uh, throwing top waters and stuff all the time. Oh yeah. Dude, it's super, I mean, that rod was just, it was one of my favorites. It was so light too, man. That, Waterloo knows how to how to freaking stick, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they they do they do. How long is, have they been around for? That I don't know. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for a while, for a while. To That's be honest, awesome. we get some rods that come in that are 15 years old. You know, I'm sure they're older, but and they still cover the lifetime or limited lifetime warranty. You know. That's and awesome. So it's pretty cool. That's pretty and I feel funny. like they're getting a little more like mainstream because I've seen them on the shelf at Academy and stuff at times. Yeah, we have. Uh, yeah. At least here in Texas. I don't know about like around the country, but here in Texas, I've seen them. Um, I mean, even at College Station, I think I've seen a few. Yeah. And um, of course, some of the bigger uh, rod and tackle shops like uh, was it Fishing Tackle Unlimited and Roy's yeah. down in Corpus. Yep. I mean, and, and they have like a, a wide range of Waterloo rods and uh I can't remember which one it was, the mag or something like that. The carbon mag? Oh, I love that one. That's my favorite. (laughs) Talk about a feather, man. That thing is Mm -hmm. nuts. Oh, yeah. That's my soft plastic rod all day through and through. I love it. Do you have a particular, like, like length and action you like? Uh, For the... Uh, for the most part, dude, I throw all seven foot because I do a lot of kayak fishing. That seven foot, if that fish is running around the bow of my kayak, I'm able to not like have to overextend to try to get it around. Um, I just recently started switching to the six, six, uh, just because that's what they recommended. You know, my boss was like, that's all I fish with six, six. It's like, okay, yeah, I'll try it. I love it. I have a six, six slam mag. All mine are custom for me. Like I red, white, and blue. They have the 82nd emblem on it. I was first rigged two five Oh four. So I have that on it as well. And it's, uh, I don't know. It's pretty cool, you know, but yeah, all my stuff's color coded same. So that's awesome. Yeah, I see that you have a, a kayak that's all red, white, and blue too. So I bet your rods match that. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah, so. man. That's yeah. Because I like weight fishing. I love shorter rods, like six foot six, yeah. six eight. That's like my 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 favorite. But now that you mentioned it, I, I can see I'm having a longer rod, especially kayak fishing. Because sometimes those reds and stuff, they like to go right on your kayak and it's mm-hmm. a pain. Oh, yeah. Having that longer longer reach can really I, – I never even thought about it like that. But that's something to, to – like, that's a really good point to make if someone's in the, in the market for a, a rod for kayak fishing and stuff. Yep. Um, unfortunately for fly fishing, it's, it doesn't quite work that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we don't really have a lot – I mean, our rods are super long. Um, yeah. You can find some shorter sticks, but for the most part, they're like – I mean, your your I guess quintessential saltwater rod's going to be at least nine foot long. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe eight six or something on the on the shorter side. But yeah, um, which can't I, I, at least for me, it's been it can get a little cumbersome on the kayak just because it wants to, the tip. Like if if you just have it, you know, like at least for me, whenever I I'm kayak fishing with my fly rod, I have it um, in between my legs, just so that way if I see a fish, I can just grab it and go. Yeah. Um, but it wants to it wants to snag on everything, like every little mangrove, yeah. any grass floating on the surface. Oh, dude, it's so frustrating sometimes. But oh, yeah. um, it does help because I, I have hooked a few fish that try to go into that that kayak, and it's nice to be able to just kind of stick your rod out and just you know maneuver them out but, mm-hmm. uh, without breaking your rod too. That's 
Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a big thing. Suck. I almost broke one of my rods not too long ago because I forgot to take the uh, red flag from when I'm towing it. I forgot to take <laughs> the red flag off the front, and uh, my line got wrapped around it. And then I was trying to unhook it, and I didn't want to lean too far forward. And then my fly, I had an articulated fly, so two hooks got stuck in the flag. And I was like, oh, this is so stupid. So what I did is I just reeled it up tight and put it aside and grabbed my second rod. And just I stayed like that the whole time. It just stayed hooked in there until I got off the water. I was getting so aggravated. Yeah, dude, I've I've lost a few reds, unfortunately, because that I'm too lazy to take off my flag, and they'll run at the bow of my boat, and I'm like, oh man, especially if I'm throwing like a corky that has double travel hooks and yep. whatnot, banging it for trout, and oh. I I don't know if I ever told either one of you guys the story. Um, one of the weirdest ways I've ever lost a redfish. Some buddies and I were fishing some flats out in Port Aransas, and it was a pretty slow day. Um, but towards the evening, towards like uh, maybe we had maybe an hour worth of sunlight left, something like that. So the bite started picking up. So I was throwing, if, I was, if I'm not mistaken, I, I want to say it was a gold and black back Rapala Skitterwalk. Oh, we love and, the Skitterwalk. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, it was a smaller size. Um, but I was throwing that, and, uh, and I had a redfish come up and smack it, and I had it on for a little bit. And so for me, I'm really bad about like carrying a net. Uh, and I should like now when I weight fish, I try to, I've lost too many fish. I lost a massive flounder one day, the biggest flounder I've ever hooked. And, uh, and that's what convinced me to buy, uh, I buy a net and start carrying it with me. But anyways, before I get there, so I'm hook. I'm, I'm fighting this red and, and we're, I'm like in maybe, I don't know, shin deep water, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, and pretty pretty shallow, and so I'm finding this fish, dude, and I, and I and I get it towards me, and it tries to run between my legs, and one of the treble hooks was sticking out, and it snagged my booty, my neoprene booty. <laughs> so it so snagged nice. there, and it started like like death rolling, and it popped <laughs> off, and the redfish just kind of like sat in the water, like what the hell? And I guess when he realized like there was nothing, he just he just bolted, and I was like, are you yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> like, of all the ways I could lose a fish, it's going to be like that, and I, but I had the damn skitter walk in my in my booty, man, so I had to, I had to cut a, a, the neoprene part to the to the booty and, and just pull that thing out. I was so mad, man. Dude, that so mad. sucks. I, I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been straight into my ankle. Right, right. But, yeah. uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll take the booty, but dude, it was, <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. The dumbest way I think I've ever lost fish in my life, so far. Dude, that's one sure, thing that I've noticed about redfish is sometimes they, I, they're like shock. Like they go in shock. Like uh, Vic sent me mm -hmm. a video of, of somebody that he knows the other day and dude lost a redfish at the boat and it went like it was just chilling under his boat. And he's like, he didn't see yeah. it swimming. And he's like, well, I, I guess it's under the boat. And then he moved the boat and there it is just chilling. <laughs> I was like, yeah. any other fish you catch, they're not going to just stay there when it gets off. They're going to be like, oh shit, and be gone. I don't know what it is about them, man. It's just been it's been my experience that when you're fighting them, they're doing everything they can to get away from you. But then once you actually have them in the net or have them in your hands, they're pretty chill, dude. They're just like, eh, you know, just do what you gotta do and just let me go or whatever. Right. But I've never really had one give me a hard time. Not like trout. Trout will freak out. Yeah. I hate him. Oh, yeah. But but redfish are pretty, and black drum are kind of chill too. But redfish are super docile. Like I've had them, like where I just release them, they just kind of hang out for a little bit and mosey on that, whatever. Nothing too yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um. I I had one one time. I released it, and it just like nose dived and just stayed there. Like <laughs> I thought I, I thought it, I thought it died, so I had to hop out of the kayak and I grabbed it again. 
And I, I just spent like a minute or two reviving it, and, and he just went off. He just went away, but he was fine. It just, it just scared me. I thought he freaking died. Yeah. But damn, yeah, man. redfish are redfish are some of my favorite fish, dude. I, I love, I love redfish. Same. I haven't caught too many of them, but the ones that I've caught have been a uh, pretty, pretty good size. So I think, I guess that's probably All why right, I like dude. Them. You don't have to brag to <laughs> yeah. us, Jesus. That's just why I like them. But I'm sure that they're like. I think I've only ever caught one slot red my entire life, and must be nice. And I mean, I haven't caught many <laughs> so though. You're all mostly oversized. You've probably caught a hundred more redfish than I have, though. So if we're going for quality wow. over quantity, like you've probably more than fifty times the weight of fish that I've caught. So I mean, it's kind of <laughs> even. You don't have to belittle me, Russell. Hey, I'm not trying to belittle you. I don't appreciate your condescending tone right now. Yeah, man. But uh, yeah, redfish are pretty fun. I do remember, though, uh, I don't remember where I was at. I want to say I was probably at, uh, what is that, that pier over on Port Aransas? Is it like I.B. McGeehee or L.B. McGeehee or something like that? Port Aransas. Or Bob Paul? Yeah, I've fished Bob Hall. Yeah, Bob Hall a lot. Maybe it's not Port Aransas, <laughs> but it's somewhere on the Texas yeah. coast. But I used to fish there a lot. And um, I remember I caught a slot red one time and it, I caught it on a silver spoon. And so that's the only like slot red I, I recall catching. It was on conventional gear. Um, but I just don't fish saltwater that that often. So yeah, it's kind of one of those things. I've never caught a good size red from, from the pier before. They've always been undersized. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was this one time, I think it was the first time I ever went to the coast with Victor. We went to Galveston, Texas. We were kids, mm-hmm. dude. We were like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man, like fifth grade, maybe something like that. And we yeah. were fishing this pier in Galveston. And again, like I, so two things happened that night. I, I just to reiterate, I had never really fished saltwater up until that point. This is my first time. So I was super stoked. My grandpa had, some like bigger gear that he's used in his past and he let me borrow to take on the trip so we're there and i caught one of the first fish i caught was a hardhead but to me it just looked like a little channel cat right so i freaking i think big slow with it smiling knows where this is going so i just <laughs> I, I i i hook it and i catch it and i was like oh i got this and I just grabbed it like a normal fish and it was not a normal fish dude that thing split like it finned me so bad. It, it split the webbing between my thumb and my index finger. Oh, yeah. And I remember that, man. You bled a lot. We tried to yell, no. Yeah. <laughs> Too Dude, late. I, yeah, there was a lot. Of, and it hurt, man. It really hurt. Um, my arm was just wrecked for the rest of the evening. It was not fun. Actually, the only two times I've ever been finned was when I was with you. <laughs> there was that one and there was the other time in Rockport with that little tiny like micro hard head yeah yeah well, I'm glad I'm your good luck charm you know it's some kind of luck but it ain't good man <laughs> good for me because I'm not the one getting stuck <laughs> <laughs> fair enough fair enough but yeah dude that was that, so that was my first I guess foray into saltwater fishing and then it might have been the last night we were there there was these two guys they were fishing with a I think it was a Mickey Mouse pole. Oh from, yeah, I remember from that. Walmart. Yeah, <laughs> and dude, that thing is doubled over. Like, oh, it's probably just you know, like a little black drum or something. And then this thing comes to the surface. It was like a thirty-six inch redfish on this yeah. Mickey Mouse push button pole yeah. from Walmart. That's but the line crazy. looks the the line looked thicker. I think they replaced it with I don't even know what pound test, maybe twenty at least twenty. I would think it was pretty thick. And, dude, yeah. they fought this thing for, like, 30 minutes. Everybody just was, like, gathering around to see the spectacle. And then 
they have, there was a bait shop on the pier and they have like drop nets and stuff. So somebody ran and grabbed the drop net and uh, yeah, they hoisted this big redfish up. That was my first time seeing an oversized redfish. I was like, what the hell? I had this like, I don't know, it was like an eight foot long, you know, medium heavy spinning rod with, I don't even know, like all this fancy shit. And these guys are just wrecking it with a little Mickey Mouse pole and Bob Hall, or not Bob Hall, but some pier and gallows. And it was, it was nuts, dude. Yeah. That's freaking oh, yeah. awesome. Dude, I remember the first big drum that I saw was a black drum and we were there uh, fishing Copano Bay in Rockport, Texas. And I believe it was my brother Marcus that hooked it. And he was probably using shrimp or crack crab or something. We we're fishing at the end of the lights there on Copano Bay at the end of the pier. And um, he had hooked it and he fought it for a good while, but we didn't have a net or a gaff or anything like that. And uh, he brought it up and we saw that. I mean, we just saw this huge, big, ugly broadside come up and we're like, holy <laughs> hell, how are we going to get this up? And so we're fighting and we're fighting. And um, he reaches down and he's trying to grab because he has a steel leader. So he grabs a steel leader and he's trying to pull it up. He's almost falling in the water. So he has <laughs> my niece, Hannah, and me holding his legs. My brother, Jesse, standing <laughs> on top of him over the rail trying to lift the rod. It's a whole team effort to bring this fish up. And I don't remember if it was that one. I, th- I think that one, if I'm not mistaken, the hook straightened out and he lost it. And I mean, a fish that big, I can only Yeah, imagine. dude, the thing was freaking massive. And he was using like, um, I think they were eagle sharp circle hooks and it just straightened it out. It, it was either that one or it was another one, that, but I know that did happen. Um, but there was another one that he caught that he brought up on the pier. It was freaking massive too. I don't remember if it was the same night or not, but I remember specifically that we were always a team effort trying to get that fish up. And uh, that was the first big drum I had ever seen. Of course, it was a black drum, but I was like, holy hell, things freaking huge. Oh, yeah. Man, I got to send you a picture. I One night almost broke the state record. Uh, I think state record is 52 inches and something pounds. And I caught a 49-incher. And I was like, Dude, oh, my goodness. awesome. Biggest drum ever. And I caught it on a rod that I, when I was working down at Tackletown, right out of the military, right? Um people bring broken rods or whatever they want to throw them away and it was a boat rod right so it's not anything crazy i think it's like five foot you know because of where it broke and we just threw a tip on it and i threw a 800 series uh pin battle on Uh it and uh I wasn't expecting to catch anything because you can't cast it far. So you have to like helicopter <laughs> cast it out, right? And so we let it sit in the, it's the only fish I've ever caught on that thing. And it was a massive black or big, ugly black drop. That's dude. freaking awesome. Wow. Yeah. Dude, I haven't been to Tackle Town in forever. Last time I went to Tackle Town, yeah. I think, was when me and Jose went to Tackle Town. And um, we went to Tackle Town? Yeah. So it was the same time that we went down and we kayaked out of Copano Bay, right there by the, uh, yes. the what is the, the bird management area or whatever. And yeah. I remember we went in there and they had a Shimano rep in there. And I got that Curado hat. That, that, that wasn't me because I remember I saw your Curado hat and I was like, dude, that's mm. awesome. Where'd you get that? And you told me, oh, yeah, Tackle Town. I get so. <laughs> No, yeah, that's right. It was my brother Marcus. Yeah. 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 Well, anyways, I was like, well, about, it was around the same like, time. I don't, I don't think I've ever been. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you need to. Awesome people work there. Uh, owners are amazing. It's a nice little shop. But uh, that hat that I got, so I got a Curado hat and I still have it. Dude, that hat has been through hell. I've lost that hat in the in the coast three times. I've lost it on the highway twice. One time I lost it. I was, <laughs> I was driving a dump truck 
when I worked for the county paving roads and this dump truck that I was driving had like nothing pneumatic on it didn't have any AC uh, everything was manual even the drop gate for the tailgate when you would hook up to the chip spreader when you're uh, doing chip seal paving you had to even reach out the window backwards and pull a lever to release the tailgate like dude it was old fashioned Oh, yeah. and so since there was no AC and it was summertime it was like triple digits in Texas of course I had the windows down and I'm driving down I-35 and um, I couldn't remember if I had locked my tailgate or not and so I was like, oh, crap, because I could have been spent like I'd already dumped my load, but there's still some rock that could be in there. And I was like, oh, crap, if I didn't lock that, like I could have been breaking windshields this whole time on the highway. And so I turned <laughs> my head out the window and looked backwards to see if my tailgate was locked. And uh, my hat freaking goes off. And I'm like, damn, and I'm already late getting back to the shop. And I was like, oh, this sucks. And so I went back to the shop and I got my truck. And if I'm not mistaken, it was when I was trying to buy the red trucks that I have now. And so I... I was going to meet over because I bought my truck had 1300 miles on it. Um, some older guy had bought it and then the new Toyota came out that same year and he's like, like the Toyota better. So he went and traded the Dodge in. And so I bought it from a Toyota dealership and Toyota dealership was there. Um, God, what's the name of that road? I'll say down there by the outlet malls where that Toyota dealership is. Um, Mc- yes. Yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. About, I can't. Something with an M, but um, I was heading down that way. And so I went and talked to the guy and then I left there and I was like, man, I need to go find my freaking hat. And so I went out right there off 35, right there by Yarrington and was walking along the highway and found the hat. Like I've, that has been through so much. <laughs> I, I lost that hat um, on, on the coast uh, a couple times. I lost it on a pier one time and I was able to rehook it and bring it back. I lost no it on the way. kayak. I was able to find it. And then I remember one time I was in Mahaya uh, with my buddy Daryl, who I talked about a little bit on the last podcast. And we were over there having like a New Year's celebration. And we're just young, dumb rednecks. And we're shooting artillery shell firecrackers at each other. <laughs> and uh, they had shot one. And we were at our, our mutual friend Russ's house. And they, they got some property there in Mahaya. And I don't remember. I want to say Daryl was shooting it. Somebody was shooting it. And it exploded right next to me. And one of the big sparks came and like caught my hat on fire. So it has a big burn mark in it. Like that has been through hell, but I still have it. <laughs> did you still wear it or did you just retire? It's retired. It's in the closet right now. Uh, every once in a while, I'll pull it out. Like if, if I just feel like I need some luck today and I'm going to go fishing, I'll pull that hat <laughs> yeah. out because it's been through so much. But at the same time, I mean, it has a huge hole in the side and it's a real shallow hat because I have a real funny shaped head and it's real small. And so I, uh, I wore youth hats until I was like 25 and that hat fit me. And I don't remember, right. Did I finally grew up when I was 25? I remember one time I was at the outlet malls there in San Marcos and I was at the lids and I was under the influence when I was in there too. And so I was standing there looking at all these youth hats and (laughs) the guy's like, he's probably thinking this young, dumb, drunk college kid is in here, not knowing what he's doing. And I'm looking at the youth hats and I'm standing there trying to make my decision. And, uh, He's like, hey, man, uh, you know, those are kids hats, right? I turned around. I was like, yes, I know they're kids hats. That's what fits me. Thank you. And then I just turned around and walked out of the store. Like, it was so awkward. But yeah, I used to have to wear youth hats for a long time. And that was the first like hat that wasn't a youth hat that fit me. And so that's why I wore it all the time. Dude, that's funny. I have the, I've had the opposite problem. I, I've always had a big freaking head, dude. Like playing football <laughs> with Victor and his dad. They gave me the biggest helmet that they could find, and I would it have still to take. Wasn't big enough. It wasn't, dude. They'd have. I'd have to go. <laughs> I had to go to the sidelines. Like I don't know, man. Maybe once every twenty minutes just to take it off because it was like squeezing my head so <laughs> so bad it hurt. And uh, yeah, man. Then I got my my head stuck in the wall at a restaurant that one time. <laughs> 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 yeah. So 
Oh, okay. Let me paint you guys a picture. So there's this restaurant in San Marcos called Garcia's. Very good food. The chile con queso is like, that's my probably my favorite thing from there. It's so, it's, yeah. Chef's kiss, man. Phenomenal. But my family and I have been going there at least to the, to maybe not that particular restaurant, but to Garcia's because they've since expanded. We've been going to this like Garcia's since like I was, I mean, like, like just a, a baby essentially. And they were probably going beforehand. But anyways, this one this one day we went and I was, I don't know, man, three, four years old. And so when you walk into this restaurant, that restaurant in particular, there's like this L-shaped wall that kind of divides the waiting room from the rest of the restaurant. But it has like these little uh, cutouts and stuff that you can see through it, right? And so they sat us on the wall opposite of that. <clears throat> and on the bottom, there's these bigger square holes. And so I'm just a kid. I have a little pink bouncy ball. I'm playing with my bouncy ball. All the adults are talking, not paying attention to me. And I lose this little bouncy ball. And so I, I sneak under the table. I still don't know how they don't notice that I'm gone, but I sneak <laughs> under the table and I'm looking for it. I can't find it. And so I see the, I see those like bigger square holes. And I was like, oh, they might have went through the other side. So I stuck my head through and I turned to my left, didn't see nothing, turned to my right, didn't see nothing. I tried to get out and I couldn't get out. So I started freaking out, dude. I was crying. And my mom starts freaking out. The whole restaurant goes silent. And, and then like, I don't know, man, I was, I don't know how long I was there. It felt like forever. It was probably like five minutes realistically, but Eventually, these firefighters showed up. <laughs> I'm like, I'm looking up, and there's this big dude just like looking at me, and he's kind of like looking at like how he's gonna, how they're gonna get me out. And he's just like, hold on, son, and he grabs my head, dude, and just straight shoves me back to the wall. <laughs> I, I was about to lose my ears. It hurt so bad, and my mom starts yelling at me, and she's kind of crying because she was scared. And uh, they're like, "What happened? What What were you doing?" I was like, "I was looking for my bouncy ball." And my grandma, my, and then my grandma's like, "Oh, he's talking about this thing." And she had it the whole time, dude. <laughs> oh man! And so, and since then. They've, I've been back, I mean, year, I was like, I don't know, years later, um, and they had this, like, glass panel, so I guess no one else would get stuck. <laughs> like that one uh, big, one. big-headed kid got his head stuck, Dude, so we need to put yeah. some plexiglass I, up there. Hey, yeah. man, I took one for the, all the little homies that day, all right? <laughs> I saved a bunch of kids. <laughs> that's one way to look at it. <laughs> oh, that's freaking awesome. Oh, man, yeah. Freaking nuts, dude. But yeah, I'm going back to what you're saying. It's kind of funny how fishermen are like, well, I think a lot of people who really engage in anything, like sports in particular, but also hunting and fishing, there's always something that you feel like brings you luck. You know, I remember this one time again in Port Aransas, I was fishing with some friends, weight fishing, and man, the day was so slow. We hadn't caught anything. And I see this old duck decoy in the mangrove. So I go over there and I grab it and there's still some cord to it. And I tie it off to my waiting belt. And, my, and uh, I end up running to one of my buddies on the flats. Because usually when we get there, we all kind of go our own way. And if we find fish, we let the other people know so we can go over there. Um, but so, yes, yeah, so I ran into one of my buddies and he goes, dude, what the heck is that? I was like, I don't know, some decoy that I found in the in the, in the 
and the mangroves. But I was like, but dude, it's going to bring me luck, man. And he was like, yeah, okay. And dude, I'm not even kidding you. Maybe 30 minutes after I said that, I start tearing up some fish. And nobody else was catching. I was like, hey, say what you want. But this decoy is, is working. Oh, yeah. That's freaking awesome. You have any uh, good I, luck I rituals, to... Vic, or anything like that? Um, Actually, I do. So I always wear the same, well, almost the same outfit every time I take out my kayak. It's American flag leggings, uh, these ripped, torn, beat to crap shorts, you know, and I wouldn't wear them anywhere else. The crotch is all blown <laughs> out, the tears and stuff on the side, and um, same shirt and this hat, man. This hat was with me in Iraq, and it came back with me. Um, through thick and thin, you know, it's pretty beat to heck, but it has my uh, unit emblem on it. And I wear that every day, dude. This hat has gone through heck. And I'm wearing a duplicate of it, but I retired my Iraq hat with me. But I wore that on missions quite a bit, you know, when we were able to take off our helmet and whatnot. So. I see. That's sick. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. they, I mean, that that's awesome, man. And um, I, I think it's going to be a good time uh, i know before we started the podcast you're telling us a little bit about this organization that takes veterans uh fishing yeah you want to you want to talk a little bit about that um i mean yeah so there's it's they're called Eject 22 i believe they're based out of rockport texas my aunt bonnie um they're really good friends with them and i met them through her you know just because i go down to rockport they got a house down there anyways uh they gave me the business card. Hey, if you want to pass this out or give the information as a QR code for any vets or first responders, anybody, you know, who may be struggling because for me, I suffer from PTSD. You know, I don't do well in crowds. It's hard for me to go out places. I carry every day. Right. And um, if I can't carry in the store due to the laws, then I don't go yeah. in. It's just, it's simple for me. Um, it's not that it's a weapon, but it's a shield. That's yeah. how I see it, you know? Um, I've seen some pretty bad things and, uh, I don't want my family to have to do that or go through that experience or anything like that. So if I could prevent it, I will, but no, that's sidetrack and I'm going on a little <laughs> bit of a rant, but, um, no, like they're really good guys, really solid. Uh, they're fairly new, you know, so they're starting to build up where well, they're planning to buy property and make it like a fishing lodge where you can get four or five of your buddies that were in the military or non. If they're your friends like us, you know, y'all weren't in. But if I want y'all wanted to go with me, hey, come on, where they'll have lodging and they'll have boats to take you out and all this other stuff. Another good uh, organization that um, I recommend is uh, Heroes on the mm -hmm. Water. They have chapters everywhere. They're mainly kayak based, but they do a lot for the veteran community. Like I said, first responders, all of them, you know, they'll, they have plenty of gear, plenty of kayaks. Um, so if you need to get out there, you have the time, let someone know, reach out. You can find them on Facebook for both organizations and I don't know that they really do help out. That's a lot, awesome. So. so that, uh, that reminds me of, of the movie that we talked about briefly on, on a different podcast called mending the line that kind of ties in with that. Have you seen yeah. it yet? Uh, no, I plan to though. I plan to, dude, it's such a good movie. Although it is fly dude, fishing. I haven't I seen it like... either. I haven't seen it yeah. either. I need... Vic, let's go see it. Yeah, let's go. Come on. I'm down. Um, Depends on the movie theater, though, because if I can't carry, I'm not going to go in the movie theater. But. Well, I think you can. I think you can buy it on on some like yeah. I, I think they're like starting Amazon to release it on some streaming yeah. platforms. So, yeah. but yeah, I, I highly recommend it. But it does talk about um, some stuff with uh, you know military and stuff and how it's therapeutic to get out on the water and to go you know just to even cast like for instance the main character. Um, well, not the. I guess he's one of the main characters. He's the mentor role in the movie. Um, when he's really feeling it, sometimes he just goes out and grabs a rod. Like 
he just casts, he, he doesn't even have to be on the water, um, where he just kind of goes out into this little grassy knoll area and just starts casting and it just, it, it you know, does something for him. So, uh, that's something where I can definitely see how fishing or being on the water can be therapeutic for those that are going through stuff, yeah. um, PTSD and whatnot. So. I mean, yeah, that's a great point. So that kind of brings me into my other question. So, I mean, I know you and I, Victor, we've, we've spent a lot of times outdoors together and stuff like that. Uh, but I know you having served before, um, obviously you were too busy and, and gone for probably for too long to be able to do that. So like now that you're back and everything like that, do you think you lean on that more now or not necessarily, lean, but I guess actively engage in like fishing, hunting, stuff like that as a form of like, um, like therapy or something like that? Like, does it like, uh-huh. how, how, how has, I guess what I'm trying to say is how has your experience in the outdoors now compared to like when you were in, you know, engaging in that before you, you, you went. So for me, um, before, right. I just, I loved it. We all do, you know, it's something, the great pastime, you know, but since being deployed and all this other stuff and having PTSD and getting overwhelmed, crowded areas, whenever I'm fishing or I'm hunting or whatever the case may be, or I'm taking the kids out on the kayak, you know, it's just everything, all my problems melt away. You know, I, I will never be the man that I was before I joined the military and did all that stuff. You know, um, I'm working on trying to get back because my family does suffer from it. You know, I want to take them to, we'll say uh, six flags or sea world and stuff like that, but we have to really pick and choose the days because if it's overwhelming, there's too many people, you know, then, I do my best to try to, you know, stay, you know, but uh, it, it's hard. I'm working on it. I'm working on it, getting better. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Whenever I'm out there, none of that matters. You know, it, all the noise that you always have in your head um, just kind of quiets down, you know. And, uh, yeah, I just I highly recommend it. If you're a veteran and you're going through some stuff, man, try it, you know. Even if you don't know what you're doing, just get out in nature, yeah. you know. Nature definitely helps you ground for sure. Yeah. Have you ever taken any of your veteran buddies uh, uh, fishing or hunting with you? Like maybe who ha- maybe who hadn't done that beforehand? Like just kind of show them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my buddy uh, Connor Burns, he's up in Ohio. No, where is he at? Anyways, can't remember. <laughs> Not important. Um, <laughs> when we were up in North Carolina, you know, he's a country boy and. But he's never saltwater fish like how I grew up doing. So we would go down to Myrtle Beach and all these other places and I'd take him out there, show him how to uh, conventional fish for, we'll say, reds or trout or anything. You know, we got to where we kind of enjoyed it quite a bit, you know. And I don't know. It's just he enjoys it. Now he's getting his family to do it and all this other stuff. And I don't know. It's great. That's so, awesome. So that's awesome. You, you said uh, – when y'all were in North Carolina, that brings me to uh, something I wanted to talk about where there's another um, organization similar to the, to uh, objective 22 and, and uh, it's called stop soldier suicide. And they're actually based out of Durham, North Carolina. Um, and it was founded. Okay. It's a nonprofit that was founded by uh, three gentlemen that were in the service and they had lost some of their friends after they had all gotten out due to suicide. Um, and so it's one thing that they're really yeah. passionate about and they wanted to find ways that they could help the community. And, uh, their names are, uh, Brian Kinsella, Nick Black and Craig Gridell, uh, Gridelli. Sorry if I mispronounce any of those names. And, uh, there are three friends that just lost fellow service members to suicide and they're all army veterans. And, uh, they're just determined to create a solution, uh, for their fellow veterans who were struggling. And so basically what they do is, um, they, they're a nonprofit and they take donations and they try to, um, you know, have therapeutic sessions or take people out on the water, or do something that's going to be beneficial 
to people that have been, you know, struggling from PTSD and stuff like that. And uh, they're doing a challenge actually starting in the month of August that I'm going to join. And it's called the 30 hour challenge. And basically what they want to do is uh, every person that signs up, they want them to create a fundraiser on Facebook and they're just using uh, Facebook fundraising to raise the money for their nonprofit. And they want people to just talk with each other and, uh, do a total of 30 hours of fishing within the month of August. And so I signed up for it and started my fundraiser. I haven't uh, posted anything about it yet. want to get a little bit closer to August and then I'm going to start posting the fundraiser and whatever else. Um, but I reached out and it's crazy how tight knit the community is just so far that I've, I just put a post that said, who in here is a fly angler? And I've had probably over 30 people just comment and I've had conversations with people in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Arkansas, Mississippi, Missouri, Texas. I mean, people from everywhere and we're just holding conversations and just in the comment section, sending pictures of our best catch and, um, you know, what kind of fish they typically go for. And there's some people that are new to it and we're giving each other tips. And I mean, it was just, I'm not big on social media. I'm not big on Facebook, but just the camaraderie here in this group is just amazing. And so I feel like it's going to do great things to be able to do something like that. And so when you're talking about, uh, you know, the organizations earlier that you were mentioning, it reminded me of this and I could see how it's definitely therapeutic and it brings, it builds a community. Um, you know, I'm even talking to some people on there that are just kind of pulling my chain. Like they're not a fly angler, but I'm a pilot and I fly to where I'm going to, you know, fish like just stuff like that. And we still (laughs) hold on conversations. So, I mean, it's yeah. just, I feel like it's a great thing that's, that's going to happen. Cool. And uh, I'll tag both y'all in the past uh, or the post and hopefully uh, y'all can join too and try to get 30 hours in on the water in the month of August and, you know, maybe raise some money for them. Oh yeah, most definitely. Dude, oh yeah. Heck yeah, I'm definitely down. Dude, you can get the boys down at Waterloo to do it. I mean. Yeah, uh, for 30, sure. 30, if, if you're, I mean, it's obviously it's like kind of dependent on your location, right? Uh, spatially dependent. But if you can fish an hour a day, easy yeah. in the bag if you're a guide yeah. you can knock that out in the you know in in a work week yep. you know so it's it's yeah. uh and uh I, there's a there's a group here in college station i'm gonna i'm gonna present it to the president and uh and see if they'd be down to do it as an organization and we can all do maybe get the whole club involved i think it'd be an awesome awesome thing and and i love that there are organizations like who use the outdoors in order to promote healing and com- camaraderie and, uh, and just kind of to help the community at large. I, I think that's one of the coolest thing about, uh, people who, I mean, well, there are, to be fair, there are other organizations, but also like specifically, I guess, outdoorsmen, hunters, fishermen who, you know, help use it as a healing mechanism and also to get people involved and, and just kind of spread, uh, joy, man. It's, it's, uh, it's a pretty, yeah. pretty beautiful thing really when you think about it. It is. And that's one thing is just getting back down to, you know, human nature. Um, you know, humanity is always in tune with nature, you know, going back, that's the way that God created this earth. And there, everybody gets so caught up in the preoccupation of life. And, you know, I got to do this job and I got to make this much money and I got to work this many hours. And, and when you think about it, you do all of that for, how, the ability to go do stuff or the ability to provide for your family and, and all of this stuff, but you get caught in the preoccupation of it instead of actually focusing on what it is. And so when you're out in nature, you're just where you're meant to be. You know, of course people live in the yeah. city and, and you want to have, you know, these uh, first world things, but even if you're just going to a park, I mean, hell, I, I didn't realize how big um, Central Park was in New York. Like I was thinking it was like a little park, but no, it's like 
hundred acres or something like that. It's massive in in New York yeah. City. And that's just one thing where you can think about the people that are living in that city, people stacked upon people, and then there's Central Park there. And I wonder how many people go there just to kind of decompress from their day-to-day life. And, you know, all of us, we all live in, you know, areas that are not as heavily populated, of course, as like, you know, the big cities. Um, you know, you being in Victoria Vic and Jose being in College Station, me being in Arkansas, they're all, they're not rural, but they're they're closer to that. They're definitely not like big city urban. Um, so we kind of have a little bit more accessibility to go places like that. And I just feel like human nature is to just be around that. And, even if it's not for a conscious therapeutic reason, I think it definitely could be therapeutic to those. Like even if it's sitting on a park bench, feeding the ducks at a pond, um, hiking, fishing, kayaking, just going on a boat, taking a ferry, anything like that. Cause I know I used to always take the ferry when I'd go to Port Aransas and get out of the vehicle and watch the dolphins yeah. jump, you know, the there's, dolphins, there's always yeah. something that's going to make somebody relax. And so just getting <laughs> out there and there's the, the fact that all these organizations are actually doing that. I just think is amazing. Oh yeah, I mean, most definitely. Dude, there was this uh, there was a study that I had heard about. Uh, I'm I'm gonna probably butcher it. I, I can't get the specifics. Um, I don't remember it too well. But if I'm not mistaken, I think they were comparing the rates of recovery on in patients who were like uh, I guess had window views. If that if that makes mm-hmm. sense, like they had the ability to see. Uh, vegetation and like nature versus patients who were just kind of like uh, who didn't have that kind of view who had like maybe just they just saw buildings and you know urban urban landscapes stuff like that and i think if i'm not mistaken uh, and i'm sorry and i apologize if i'm wrong but if i'm not mistaken i believe the patients who had views of like more natural scenery actually had higher rates of recovery really versus those that did not yeah and so, and I, and I truly believe that us, like, like you had mentioned us as humans, it's, it's, you know, before we had the amenities and things that we had now, we were way more in touch with nature as it was. Um, and I think to a degree, we still inherently maybe in our primal nature have that within us. Um, and of course it manifests itself in different ways. Like a lot of us like to hunt and fish and stuff like that. Others like to hike. Others just, you know, maybe they're not totally into that, but they enjoy being, sitting on a park bench watching the squirrels and birds and stuff like that. However, who, however one chooses to rec- uh, uh, recreate, I think it's it's fair to say that just being in nature is, is healing in and of itself. You know, especially like during COVID, uh, a lot of people took to like hiking and, and fishing or whatever, just because it like they needed that. To, to get out, like being stuck in, in, a, in a room is not where we're meant to be. That's exactly. not how we evolved to be. And, uh, yeah, but yeah, nature is an, an incredibly powerful thing, I think. And, uh, I just think it's, it's awesome that organizations, um, I feel like they recognize that and use that as a, as a way to, to heal. And it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. I agree with that. So, I know I've talked to y'all, I believe about this offline of what my, I plan to do eventually one day, you know, fingers crossed. Um, for me, I want to eventually get a boat, get my guide license and all that. And I don't want to do it to make money as far mm-hmm. as guide fishing out here. I want to do it to take out veterans when they get the opportunity to go like all these other organizations that we've talked about. Right. Well, Sutton, 
I guess what I'm trying to say is like they have certain events like, oh, at this time, at you know, this month, this day or whatever. Well, not everybody yeah. has that, you know, like I'm blessed. I could text my boss. Hey, I want to go fishing tomorrow. And he lets me go. Really no questions asked. You know, he asked me, hey, do you have any luck? Where'd you go? Yeah. That type of stuff. But I mean, other people who have nine to fives or working shift jobs or whatever the case may be, they don't get that. So I want to be able to have that opportunity where it's free of charge. You, know, you just let me know. Come on. You can get at the dock at this time. We'll yeah. be out on the water. You know, it doesn't matter. So eventually one day, hopefully I'll be able to get that all said and done. It's going to happen. It's just right, a matter of right. time. So, so have you taken yeah. any steps in order to uh, like see what's going to be needed to do something like that? Well, so I've, um, haven't, oh, yes, I have. So I'm on in the process of getting mm -hmm. my captain's license. I won't do it if it's online. Yeah, I have to be yeah. in a class. So uh, that's just me. I'll end up messing around with my kids <laughs> if I have to be at home doing it right. online. So um, yeah, once I get that scheduled and then um, get, you have to pay uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife. I believe it's $500 for mm -hmm. a year, right? For you to be able to guide. And guiding is essentially um, like, say I have a boat, right? And I'm not a guide. I'm like, hey, let's go out. I don't know y'all, but y'all pay for my gas or yeah. whatever. Pay for bait. Well, that's illegal, right? Because you're not a legal guide and you can't take any compensation for I see. what you're doing. So I want to, just in case I take a vet out and they're like, hey, man, you want this for gas? Well, yeah, yeah. it would help out. You know, I'm not going to say no, don't do it, but I'm not going to ask exactly. for anything either, you know? So, but I, I don't know. That, that, that's basically it. Um, I've been looking at other boats and stuff like that. I got to knock down some payments, you know, like truck payment yeah. and all this other stuff. Um, truck's almost paid off. And so I'll switch my truck payment right. for a boat payment, you know, and exactly. we'll be good there, you know, so it's just a matter of time. So with it being yeah. a technically a, a non-for-profit, is that something where you could start up like a, a non-profit organization to where you'll get like yes. a tax ID, but it's yeah. not an actual business company? Yes. Yes. And so I, I use H&R Block cause I'm not smart and to do TurboTax. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's plug and play, but, um, the lady that I've been working with since I got out of the military, her name is Jerry Jones, amazing woman. Uh, she was willing to help me with everything. She gave me her personal number. If I have mm -hmm. any questions, she really wants to get behind me and help me set yeah. this up right. So I'll probably end up doing Dude, that. That would be awesome. So, yeah, and she's going to handle all the work. Yep. Whenever that time comes, let us know, man. But, we'll happily, happily promote anything that you're trying to get going with that. Yeah. Because, it's, I mean, obviously it's yeah. for a good cause and it's kind of within the same realm of what we talk about. So. Yeah. That sounds exciting, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. But on a different subject, uh, Jose had mentioned in the past podcast about his Cabela's rod, uh -huh. first fly rod. Um, I dug mine out, and I still have it, and I yeah. sent you yeah. know, a few pictures yeah. of it, I believe. And, When's the last time yeah. you've actually got it on yeah. a, out on the water? <laughs> out on the water? <laughs> Years. Years, I'm not gonna lie. Probably last time Dude, we got to change fishing. that. It's been that lie. long since I fly fished with that Damn rod. Yeah. Jeez. Um, but I have been going out after the kids go down. It's nighttime, but I get out and uh -huh. practice my casting because I got a pretty big front yard and stuff like that. So when I I got the opportunity to go fishing, or I got invited to go fly fishing, right? On my buddies, he built a John skiff, right? And it's the video I sent Russell. Um, anyways, 
he invited me, asked me if I'd been practicing. I said, yeah, unfortunately, the time he invited me, uh, me and my wife had plans to go down to Rockport, so I wasn't yeah. going to be able to make it. But he's like, next time, dude, you're coming. And part of me, I was a little scared <laughs> and glad that we had plans because I didn't want to embarrass myself out there, you know, when it when it's game time and I can't hold up my yeah. side of it, you know. But, man, well, you need to get out there soon, uh, man. I'm, I'm actually coming yeah. into town while well, I'm going to Rockport um, on the 28th here at the end of the month. Um, <laughs> it'd be nice if both y'all could, could – uh, make a trip down there. I'll be coming in on the 28th, if I'm not mistaken. And my dad, I'm going to spend some time with him on the 29th. So, um, I plan on staying, uh, just North of Austin on the night of the 27th. I'm going to meet up with my buddy, Daryl, and we're going to swap our kayaks that we've been saying we're going to swap since he bought his, um, because he got the bona fide that I wanted and I got the bona fide he wanted. So we're going to swap them, uh, hang out with him for a bit, stay the night, and then head out. You know, at the ass crack of dawn. So, um, I'm hoping yeah. to be in Rockport pretty Heck early. Yeah. So, if y'all can swing it, man, maybe on on Friday the 28th we can go get out on the water. Dude, let me know and I'll be there. Hell yeah, man! Be all. I I have to go to the field <clears throat> the week from was it 24th to the 28th, something like that. Mm-hmm. I have to go to the field. So I'm hoping I can make it back in time to meet you guys in Rockport. Dude, that would be badass. Worst case scenario, me and uh, Vic will just go ahead and get on some fish and just send you pictures. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Hey, I'll even bring out the fly rod. <laughs> Dude, you can't do that if I'm up there. Dude, what, what if Vic hooks into this massive 50-inch redfish on the fly rod and lands it and you're not there? Dude, I, wouldn't surprise, I don't know what it is about Vic, but he's got the, the, the craziest luck when it comes to fishing. There's this one time. Let me let me tell you guys another story. There's this one time. We're, we're camping down at a place called Crowsey Springs in Spicewood, Texas. Uh, it was during spring mm-hmm. break. Bass were bedding up, and we found this bedded bass. It wasn't it wasn't big, maybe like a pound and a half, two pounds, something like that. And I cannot even tell you how many people tried to get this bass off this bed. Even me, I spent like an hour. Victor and I spent like an hour, and then finally, Victor was like, "I'm just gonna throw a bear hook." It was literally <laughs> a bear hook. It was a, a, a wide gap warm hook, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. He, and, he threw it in there and I had turned around to walk away and I hear splashing and I hear Vic yelling and I was like, what? And I wheeled around and Vic's rods bent over and he yanks his bass out of his bed. I was like, dude, are you freaking <laughs> kidding me? I threw literally everything I had in my tackle box. And all you needed was a bare ass hook and you caught this fish. And then the same place, different time, but same place. I was, I was finally beating Victor. Like in terms of, of fish caught, right? I was beating. No, you yes, I was. Hold on, <laughs> I was beating. I was beating everybody up until the last day, and then and then Victor just starts putting on a clinic, catching bass, catching caps, catching everything, and then there's this uh, there's this little creek that we had to kind of walk to to get to, and Victor had the spinner bait, and the creek is shallow, man. I mean, it is like I don't even know. At least as far as, as I could see, it was shallow. And Victor tosses this, this freaking spinnerbait across the creek and starts burning it back. And I was like, dude, it's too shallow, man. There ain't no bass there. You ain't going to catch shit. And sure enough, dude, this freak, I just see the blades like stop turning. I see, I, I see a wake. I see Vic's rod just bend over. And he starts yelling, I got a fish. I got a fish. And I, and he, not only did he, that was, that was the fish that, that, uh, that made him beat me. But not only that, it was also the biggest fish of the trip. It was like a four pound largemouth out of this little tiny creek, dude. I was like, 
freaking victory, man. This guy can catch a fish out of a puddle. I don't know what it is. He's got the craziest <laughs> luck when it comes to fishing, man. It is redonkulous. Dude, that's how my buddy Jason is. Oh, we used yeah. to always go out fishing. There's a um, In a town south of Austin, there's a golf course, and there's a body of water next to said golf course. And me and Jason used to frequent it. We go there all the time. This was back before I was a fly fisherman. And uh, he always outfished me. I mean, he would catch more fish. He would catch bigger fish. He would catch prettier fish. Whatever the case was, he was always outfishing me in every way possible, which was fine. I mean, I was just, you know, I'd I'd enjoy fishing as it was. And one day I was outfishing him. I caught like five to his two. And I was, you know, oh, hell yeah, I'm finally beating Jason. And we're walking out and there's this little tiny sliver of the pond that goes to like a little creek area and it goes under the sidewalk that you walk on to go there and to leave. And there's in this little finger, I mean, there's reeds and there's hydrilla and this is late spring. And so I'm sure that they're, you know, probably up and stuff like that, getting, getting their cover. And I was like, there's probably fish in there, but I'm not going to cast. He's like, man, I think I want to cast it. I said, good luck. You're going to get stuck. And he cast and immediately he goes, which I don't know, Vic, you probably never met Jason. Jose's met Jason. He's just very, uh, he gets excited right yeah and so he's like oh dude i got this fish and i'm like no you didn't like you're dude you're hung up on reeds and he starts reeling and this dude pulls out a damn near double digit bass like a nine pound largemouth bass he caught three feet off the bank and i'm like the one day that i'm beating this guy and then he pulls this out on the literal last cast when we're walking out in this little frick dude i was so pissed i mean of course i was like you know i gotta take pictures of this so i got pictures of him holding it massive freaking largemouth just sitting right there i was like dude i was so pissed dude. i've never beat that dude ever Vic did, Vic did that to me at a pond one time <laughs> so his, his uncle has this private this private pond right and so he invited me to go fishing with them there one time i was like yeah man let's do it and we're actually like pretty close like so we were at least for me that that i can remember we never like out loud exclaimed that we were going to have a contest uh-huh. to see who can catch the most fish but i felt it was just yeah, like a no. like a like, unspoken. like an unspoken competition <laughs> to see who could and this yeah. time it was pretty close but i think i might have been the lead by one fish maybe and then vic throws on this jig he ends up catching at least up up to that point the largest bass I've ever seen in my life. It was an eight plus pounder, easy. And I'll, and because uh, he, yep. he tossed it out <laughs> and he and he like hooked this thing, and uh, he's like, "I got a fish." I was like, "Dude, this, your line's not even moving. You, you hooked a log or something." And then it started moving, and then the head comes <laughs> up and breaks the surface. I was like, "Oh my god!" I I it was talking about a bucket of a mouth, dude. This thing was so big, it couldn't even get. It, it couldn't even like jump. And he finally fought it. And his dad was there. He saw it too. He's like, Vic, Vic, don't lose this fish. He was freaking out. We're all, his sister was there. We were all freaking out. And sure enough, man, he lands that fish. It, it was huge, dude. Huge. I was like, God, freaking Victor. Like, I'm so happy for you right now. I'm so mad. <laughs> dude, that's how I felt when you caught that damn koi, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the koi yeah, fish. Dude, I was, dude, I was like so jealous. But I was like, I was happy for you. But I was like, man, some bullshit. <laughs> dude my freaking daughter adeline my youngest she has similar luck to freaking vic we were out there one day my uh my co-worker invited me to go out fishing at his aunt's place and on the the stretch of of river that they're out it's it's right off the lake and um whites run through there excuse me whites run through there yellows run through there uh hybrids run through there there's largemouth there's spotted there's smallmouth there's brim 
there's carp, there's gar, like everything is in that body of water. And we're out there fishing and I'm fly fishing. My buddy's conventional fishing. He's using worms. He's using cut bait. He's using lures. He's using soft plastics. He's using poppers. He's using crank baits. He's using rattle traps. He's using stick baits. I'm using every fly in my fly box and we're not catching anything. We're out there. I mean, we're just shooting the shit, hanging out, you know, whatever, wishing we were catching stuff. But, and we were stopping a good time having a couple of drinks as it was. So it was fine. And so it was getting pretty late and Adeline, her bedtime's eight o'clock. So it starts getting to nine, 10 o'clock. She starts getting real antsy and she kept coming in and out of the house. And then she told me how she had to go potty. So I took her potty, comes back out and she said she wanted to fish. She has this little two foot long Moana rod from Walmart. And, um, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to let her fish, but you know, we don't have any worms or whatever. I'm going to throw a bear hook out and just let her think she's fishing. You know, she was like three at the time. And (laughs) So I've cast it out there and she's holding the rod and then she starts like laughing and giggling. And I'm like, what? And I turn around and her freaking bobber's gone. And I'm like, what the heck? Cause it was a bear hook. It was like a little bitty, like mosquito hook or something like this little tiny thing. And, um, just on a bobber <laughs> and her rod's been over and she's reeling and it's like, you know, clicking, like it's trying to peel drag on those little POS rods. And I'm like, she has to be hung up on like what, but it's like deep water. And I only had maybe a foot below the bobber. What's going on. And so I grabbed the rod and I'm like, and I feel it fighting. I was like, that's a fish. So I let her reel it in and she catches this bluegill that was like bigger than my hand, this freaking slab bluegill on an empty hook. When we'd been fishing with <laughs> live bait and fly for at least three hours, not catching one fish. And then she caught this slab bluegill on a bear hook at night. You know, it's not like it saw it. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? But she was super excited. She was holding it. She wanted to kiss it. She wanted to release it. And I was just like, what are the freaking odds, man? Man, that's freaking awesome. Yeah, that reminds me. Um, so talking about kissing fish and superstitious stuff, every single fish that I catch, I always give it a kiss and say, get bigger that's sweetheart, awesome. and let it go. I think that's why I got the luck. I mean, I don't know. Cause they're like, Oh, if this guy catches me, he's going to kiss me. <laughs> they're, cool. they're like, we like that little <laughs> you know? twisted mustache you got. We need a kiss from that guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so for me, whenever I, whenever I go fishing, uh, I don't always keep fish, but um, when I do, yeah, if like I'm going fishing for the idea of maybe keeping one or whatever, the first fish that I catch, even well, let me rephrase that: the first keeper fish that I catch, I always let it go, always, even if I may not catch one for the rest of the day. That's fine with me, but I always let it go. That's like a. I guess a, a thing yeah. of good faith, you know, like a like a token of appreciation, yeah. you know. That's just like my mm-hmm. superstitious thing, and uh, it's it's kind of funny because there was a um, there was a podcast meat eater, uh, Stephen Ranillo was telling was talking about the story that the hunters in Alaska, if they shot like a, a bear or something, they would, I think they would take this the skull or something like that and put it in uh, near the dinner table where it could like see them eating, so that way they could. I guess with the idea being that it, the bear could see that it is being used for food and for like good memory and mm-hmm. like, you know, just for the family to kind of have like uh, a good time. I, like that is not going to waste or yeah. being misused in any way. Yeah. So that way it could then somehow communicate to the other bears that, like, hey, if I know being shot sucks, but if you were to be shot by anybody, being shot by this dude, in the worst thing that could happen to you, you right? Know? I just found that really, really mm-hmm. interesting. It's crazy so how like, stuff yeah, comes man, back around like really that. Yeah. Like you do something good yeah. for something, and it rewards you. I was listening to, um, I want to say it was the Secret Society of Fly Tires podcast, and they had Alvin Dito on, and 
y'all know his Dito Popper? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Do you know like the yeah. origin of that? Flip flops. Yeah, it? it was a flip flop, and so they were talking about how you know how it even came about, and he picked up a flip flop on his way out from the river and didn't think anything of it, and ended up when he went to go throw it away, deciding to tie something out of it because it was foam, you know. And, you know, it's turned into this big thing for him, which has been a blessing. And they were like, well, you know, maybe it's good karma. You're doing something good, cleaning up the environment. And it turns around and rewards you with that. So I was like, that's, that's crazy. You yeah. know, and then we all have all these stories of good things that we've done and how we've been rewarded. So I have to start doing more good stuff. Dude, <laughs> hey, man, those Dito poppers, I've, I've tied a few. They, those things will catch a fish, man. I've never thrown one they're, before. They're, they're super easy to tie, but man, they're, uh, they're, they're pretty fun. Pretty fun little fly fish. That's awesome, man. Maybe I need to tie some up. Dude, I haven't sat behind the vice in too oh, damn long. I know. I, I haven't tied as nearly as much as I used to. Actually, I need to. This uh, had a friend um, reach out and ask if I could uh, whip him up a few flies for the hill country. And I just, I just haven't. I need to. What do you think you're going to tie up? Some real getters? Some lunch monies? He, he, so he mentioned two. He mentioned the Lano book specifically, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite flies to tie. So, and I got to tie some anyways. I don't have very many in my box, um, so I'm going to tie him some of those. And then I think he mentioned something for uh, Rio. So I'm going to try probably tie him a few Rio getters, maybe uh, some Rio banditos, and then I might throw in some like smaller streamers and stuff that I've had uh, had luck throwing around the hill country and. Um, see what see how it works out for me that's awesome yeah we can't we can't get vic on all these uh fly patterns and whatnot because then he's gonna start out fishing us with the fly rod next time we take it <laughs> hey, if it happens it happens so, you know <laughs> so there's this one time well let me let me let me let me back up a little bit yeah on the texas coast i heard about a dude who would nymph for sheep's head and he would throw, if I'm not mistaken, he would throw like those little, like the, the small, the lightest little white crappie jigs that you can find. Because it has a marabou tail. I think it has like a chenille body or something. and just has a little jig head, right? And he would slay sheep's head with that. But I remember there's this one time, again, Victor and I went to the coast. We went to Port Aransas this time. <laughs> and there was this other, but there was this uh, other family who went with us. They had two kids, Joel, and I can't remember his sister's name or cousin's name. Um, Anna. Yes, Anna. Yeah, yeah, Anna. And so they, Joel had never really fished much beforehand. And so there was this one time we went to this pier, and it was really frustrating because there was a massive school of trout at the very end. We could see them. They were coming up. They were <laughs> popping. Like they were eating stuff off the surface. But we couldn't, and we were throwing little spec rigs, and we could, which we normally, which we had luck with throwing before, but we could not, for the life of us, catch a trout to save our lives, right? And Joel went to the tackle box, and he found one of those little crappie jigs, one of those little marabou things, but it was ratty looking. Like it had barely any body to it left, barely any feathers to it left. It was just, it was essentially a bear hook, mm-hmm. really. And we, Victor and I both looked at him like, dude, you ain't going to catch nothing with that. He goes, well, we ain't catching nothing anyways. I'm going to try. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, dude, not five seconds after we said that, like, it was almost instantaneous. He threw that in it and it started kind of drifting with the current and his rod bent over and he was lifting up this trout 
and uh, and if it got off the hook, for me and Victor look at each other we're like, holy crap! So we ran back to the tackle box, and we and we found some more of those little jigs, and we so we stripped it, dude. We stripped the the tails, we stripped the body. It was essentially just a little jig head and a hook. And so, and what we would do is we would throw it up current and let it swing into the into the school of trout. Uh-huh. And me and Victor put on a clinic, mm-hmm. man. We were catching so many yeah. fish. We were catching some pretty nice, like keeper-sized trout too. And everybody at the pier were they were having the same luck that we were having beforehand. And they started uh, they started asking us, dude, what are you gonna throw? And we're like, oh, it's just a secret weapon. We didn't tell them what it was. <laughs> yeah. And I remember having one of like the bodies of the spec rigs in my pocket. Oh yeah, you like, did do that. <laughs> They catch your fish, they, they yeah. take it off. So I've just been replacing yeah. and, it. I don't know. I then, put it under dude, the light. That poor so guy is like, oh, yeah, I think I got one of those in my tackle box. <laughs> 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 got to mislead them so they don't find the secret weapon. Uh, and, dude, that, and I don't got think to. that dude ever caught a fish, but me and Vic were tearing them up, boy. Dude. And poor Joel, I don't – and Joel, I think he maybe caught two after that. <laughs> but me and Vic yeah. were – we were Dude, yeah, me and Vic were killing. Dude, that's that awesome. Was, that was that was fun. I used to that tear up fun. the specs on a spec rig at the end of the lights at nighttime on Copano Bay when they're chasing a little shrimp and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And you hold the glow bait in front of the light. Mm-hmm. Dude, I wonder if we yeah, could tra- tie up some, uh, get some like uh, offset fly hooks with with a uh, a bead head, tungsten bead head, and some chenille and some marabou, and tie up some jigs that are you know better suited for fly rod. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, yeah, and I think you should. they have trout. they have like those little uh, they have like that mop materials or mop flies. Uh, oh, dude, <laughs> there's such a bad stigma on mop flies, but they catch fish, I know, man. Dude, everybody, yeah, everybody hates on mop flies, but they they yeah. They dude, on the little fish. red, we tore up a bunch of sizable rainbow trout below the dam on some mop flies. I mean, we weren't catching anything. We'd already made a couple passes. And um, we'd caught probably, oh, maybe it was me and Brian, uh, actually, when he, he was up here. And uh, we went out on the Little Red with a guide. And we caught, I'd say, probably 20 rainbows at that point. We decided to make one pass. They started generating. And the guide's like, you want to go have some fun and throw some mop flies in the current? And so we went up there and we're just slinging mop flies. And we caught a few. Uh, but they were the biggest fish of the day that we caught were on that those mop nice. flies. Heck, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. Good time. Yeah. Freaking good time. We all need to get out on the water, man. When I come in a couple of weeks, we all need to try to make it happen. Hopefully you can get done out in the field soon enough to to make it, Joe. I hope so, man. It we gotta yeah. we gotta do um we gotta check some cameras where we have some camera traps set out right now. So we need to go I think we gotta move a few around, maybe decommission some. I'm not too sure yet. Um and then we are going to do some drone flights. Um, over some of my plots, um, get some pre-burn data because we're going to try and have a prescribed burn hopefully in August. Nice. Uh, maybe September. But So last year we didn't have a prescribed burn because it was too dry and we didn't really have any fuel on the ground. Um, there, it was just, there was just not good conditions for a burn. Mm-hmm. This year we removed some of the cattle from some of the livestock from some of these pastures to try and get some fuel to grow. And luckily we had some rains. And um, it's looking pretty good. So there's a, there's much more fuel than there was before. Um, I think the only issue or the main issue is going to be fuel continuity. But fire behavior is generally fairly random as it is. It's just kind of based on, on the landscape and the features, continuity, things like that anyway. So as long as we get a burn, 
Um, I think it'll be, uh, it should be good. I, I, I need one bad, or we need, the project needs one bad, so hopefully we'll get that done. But that won't be this week. So this week, um, realistically, if weather permits, it'll be two, three days worth of work, and that can, can come back. Nice. Hopefully make it down, make it back in time and go meet you guys at the coast. That would be awesome. So speaking kind of Heck on what yeah, you're man. speaking, uh, you know, obviously I don't know too much of, of what you do on your project and stuff, but uh, do you remember Hunter Lehman that we went to school with? Yes. So he was bit, yeah. so he was on a podcast. Um it's the Grazing Grass podcast. And I didn't know that he went to AM Kingsville. I was about to say, I was like, we wait, wait, we went yeah. to school with that dude? Yeah, he went to Layman. His family's like Layman Layman family. He's I think he's I think, I think he's a year or two younger than us. That's crazy. He played baseball. But yeah, so I, I made a post earlier, um, but he was on the Grazing Grass podcast, and he was talking a lot about how they're having to move cattle and, and all sorts of stuff uh, coming up with that. And dude, it's a very, like I'm not into range and wildlife by any means, um, but it was a very interesting podcast to listen to. So any of our listeners out there, if you want to check out something to do with that, he's very passionate about wildlife and then kind of moved more into uh, like grazing and stuff like that. And, and I mean, seems like he really knows his stuff, but y'all should check out that yeah. podcast. But yeah, Jose, I feel like you would really enjoy listening to it. So you should check it out. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of funny because I, I know that name. Uh-huh. I feel like we probably have crossed paths like at a conference or even just in, in just around campus because this campus is so small. I never realized that he went to uh, to our high school. Yep. That's crazy. Small world. Yep, that but, it is. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I feel like range and wildlife sciences are kind of overlooked at times by the general public. Like, uh, Most there is a lot uh, that goes into like cattle and livestock and 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 range, other than just like feeding and whatever like i guess whatever the general mm-hmm. um perspective of that might be and so yeah if I, I i think it'd be a good listen and another one i think is a there's a uh, a podcast from out of out of kingsville i think it's called a talk on the wild side i think it was actually hosted by one of the professors that i uh, that i had and i've listened to a few episodes it's really good but they she has a lot of professors and professionals within the field of range wildlife management go on and talk about stuff that's really 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 interesting really good listen as well i'll have to take a listen um, to that one yeah it's it's i i really like i i enjoy it it's a pretty good podcast too that's awesome well vic we appreciate you jumping on the podcast man i mean it's been been a lot of good back and forth some good information yeah. shared uh hopefully we'll have you on again man i know we got a lot of short oh, yeah. stories that we could tell and uh, share with others. So, man, I hope to have you on <laughs> Thank you. soon. So, we appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, brother. Thank. Heck yeah, man. Happy to be yeah, here. Thank you. Thank you. Um, before we sign off, are there uh, any last words? Anything else you'd like to share, Vic? About these, uh, maybe some of those organizations or anything else you may have missed? I think I covered it pretty good. I mean. Check it out. You know what I mean? Even if you're not a veteran, check it out. If you want to volunteer, you know, they're always taking people who are willing maybe to volunteer. Maybe there's something we can do. You know? Dude, that yeah, would be awesome. Maybe there's something we can look into yeah. as, a, as a podcast thing, go and, and volunteer on a weekend or something. I think that would be pretty sick. I agree. That would be awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. Well, um, yeah, okay. big thanks. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun, man. we got to catch up some more, do some more fishing like the old days. Hopefully yep. at the end of the month. Hopefully here in a oh, couple yeah, weeks. Most uh, definitely. Oh I'll come on, man! <laughs> you can't embarrass us hey, like we that. Should, we, we should have we should have a fly versus conventional competition. Dude, 
Uh, if y'all want to get smoked, I mean, <laughs> have y'all ever uh, watched that YouTube channel? I don't remember what the channel's called, but they do. Uh, they call it Fly versus Jerk. They're based out of like nah. Sweden or Norway, and they do a lot of pike fishing, and it's conventional mm-hmm. versus fly. And there's a guy's name's oh, Nick, Nicholas Bauer. Oh, that, that's, uh, that's awesome. He Dude. he has y'all should check him out on Instagram. I'll, I'll put his Instagram in the in the show notes. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but he has a lot of good content on his stuff. But the YouTube channel is freaking awesome. But they'll do competitions, conventional versus fly for for big you know yeah. northern pike. So we should do something like that. Yeah. I mean, of course, we'll be fishing Vic's waters, so oh, yeah. it'll be tough. But yeah. yeah I'm tra- Hey, I'll go fish your waters. I'll fish your waters. It don't uh, yeah, matter. Unfair. Like, talk about home field advantage. Make it right. <laughs> or we could go somewhere else. You know, one good thing about being a disabled vet, right, um, is I get free access to all Texas state yeah. parks anywhere. Me and my family were up to three guests. So if y'all ever want to go, you know, let me know. We'll take out the kayaks. Sounds like a trip to a trip uh, out there, Atlanta you know, might be whichever one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That way, it's even. Well, I don't know. Jose has a lot of experience know? on that river, but uh, <laughs> not a lot, man. Yeah. Right, more than no, me. Not as much as I like me. I love Atlanta, but uh, yeah, be yeah awesome. we got to we got to figure something out, man. For real, go catch some fish. Maybe I don't know, cookout steaks or ceviche, redfish, whatever we can catch. Dude, some redfish ceviche sounds mm-hmm. amazing. Catch a cook. Yeah, that'll yeah. be nice. Catch a cook. Yes, oh, sir. yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Maybe a turtle or two. I saved a turtle one time over there in Port Aransas. Uh, my knees come across. It was like a 120-pound sea turtle, and it, it was beached, and it was covered in barnacles and stuff. And so they have that. Is it the University of Texas, or is it A&M Center that they have there on Port Aransas? Corpus in Port Aransas, Christi? there's a... Oh, uh, it's it's one of the two. It's either yeah, UT or, UT or, uh, or Texas A&M, but um, they have a... Uh, sure. uh, what's it called? A wildlife biology... What what's biology called for the ocean? Marine biology. <laughs> there you go. They have a marine biology. <laughs> marine. <laughs> they have a marine biology center there with a uh, a turtle sanctuary. And so uh, before we left, me and my niece took a trip over there, and uh, they had the turtle in this big enclosure, and it was all cleaned up and swimming around there, making sure it was all healthy before they released it. I thought it was pretty cool. But dude, that turtle was massive. The guy that we called because they got the sea turtle numbers all along the beach, and so I called guy come out. He couldn't pick it up by himself, so I had to help him lift it in the truck. And, uh, dude, that thing was freaking huge. It's really impressive how big sea turtles yeah. can get. It, it's wild. Every time I think of sea turtles, I can't help but think about the ones from uh, Finding, Finding Nemo. Nemo. <laughs> Finding Nemo, Crush, right. and Squirt. Yeah, I love crush it. and Squirt. Give me some fins. Noggin. 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 Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I freaking love that movie. Oh, I know. Heck yeah, so me good. too. Well, I guess yeah. we're coming up on time, man. So uh, we we appreciate you coming on, yeah. and uh, we definitely need to stay yeah, in man, touch. To and hopefully, here. we can get out and do some fishing all together soon. And uh, other than that, man, uh, we appreciate you hopping on. Heck yeah, man! Happy yeah. to be here. Thank you Thanks, again. Bro. And we'd like to thank mm-hmm. the listeners. And if you made it to the end, we appreciate it. Uh, you know, you could share it with all your friends, family. Um, I mean, it'd be awesome if you could. Uh, you know, post us or anything like that. We, we're trying to get the word out there that we're trying to, you know, make something out of this, but we appreciate everybody listening. Um, and so if you could like, share, share with family, we'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. And to add on to that, if there's any mm-hmm. uh, questions you guys have or any comments, um, we'd be more than happy to have any of those as well. So please don't feel um, intimidated to reach out by any means. You know, we, we, we'd love to hear from you guys. And, um, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for joining. I think it was a fun episode.
Definitely was. We'll catch y'all next time. This has been Wildlife Outdoors. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook at Wildlife Outdoors and on Instagram at wild.life.outdoors. Let's go live life on the wild side.